and welcome to Plaster Negotiations, where none of the debates are legally binding. I'm your host, Mike Stotes. On Plaster Negotiations, we cover sports and some other news bits while consuming adult beverages. The topics don't really get harder to debate, but the panel's ability to speak English does. Like, hard does. With this in mind, let's meet our panel and hear their opening statements. And we'll start off with our newbie, our very own Denver's favorite son, Jeremy Phelps. What you got for the people this week, Jeremy? Yeah, shout out to the Houston Astros. So I don't know if everybody's heard this or not, but basically the Oakland A's had one all-star because every single team in the majors gets an all-star. Oakland's not that far from Los Angeles where the game's played. And what does Oakland do? They decide to cheap out as a billion-dollar industry and say, no, we're going to go ahead and not charter you a flight. You're just going to go commercial. Fly down there on Southwest. Oakland A's uh, just get screwed over here because the the Houston Astros, in one of the greatest moves in the history of sports, say they're not going to charter you a flight. We'll pick you up. I know Oakland, Houston, nowhere near each other. We're going to go ahead and send all of our all-stars to come grab you and take you down. It's essentially saying, hey, you're taking the hottest girl to the prom. You're going to take her in your 1988 Toyota Corolla. Well, I got a limo. Why don't you ride with me? Kudos to them for that. Excellent, excellent. And any time that the Houston Astros are the hero of the story, you know it is not a uh, a positive story there. Uh, something very similar happened to uh, Juan Soto, except he wasn't able to uh, be picked up by a bunch of trash can beaters. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyways, hey, Juan Soto, you know, like the Padres would have flown you to uh, L.A. and uh, that would have been great. So just food for thought if you're listening. All right, let's get on to our next one. Thanks, Jeremy. Next up, let's hear from Ryan Benner. What do you got this week for the folks? What's up, guys? Um, you know, one thing, you know, I like one thing about me, um, I'm a big music fanatic, especially in classic rock, hard rock, punk, and all that. And I've been one, I've been reading a lot about like just music history and all that. And I stumbled across um a it, I thought what I thought was hilarious, but also fucked up fact. Um, and it's perfect timing because this past Thursday, July 21st, was the 35th anniversary of Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction uh, debut album release. Regarded, it's been regarded as not only one of the greatest rock albums of all time, but the greatest debut album of all time, so, selling for over 30 million copies to this day. Um, you know, this, this album... So many great songs. Welcome to the Jungle, Paradise City, Mr. Brown's Run, Sweet Child of Mine. But my fact and my fun story comes with the the closing song on the album uh, called Rocket Queen. So back when they were you know recording this album, apparently drummer Stephen Adler and his girlfriend got into a massive argument as, as rock stars and their girlfriends do, and all this and all that. And you know she stormed off and. Her response is like, well, you know, I'm going to go down to the studio and, you know, see what's going on. Because apparently she was close to the rest of the band. Uh, both Axl Rose and Slash were there recording Rocket Queen. Um, in the process, she decided, I'm going to get revenge on Steven. And she ended up having sex with Axl Rose for 30 minutes in the studio. You know, it's like, okay, so that's already shitty. Well, let's look at Axl Rose. We're going to be regarded one of the most shittiest human beings of all time. You know what that motherfucker did? He recorded them having sex. That was my question. He recorded them having sex. And not only did he record it, if you go listen to Rocky Queen, you can hear them fucking on the bridge of the song. 
oh my god <laughs> that is wonderful here this is not, and turns out and i don't even more of this axel actually um interviewed and looked at two or three other go- girls for this part of the song looked, apparently he was just wanting to have sex with a girl record it and put it on the song he interviewed and uh worked out with two or three other girls he said, and his comment was, oh, their vocals weren't good enough. But Steven Adler's girlfriend was, and that, if you go listen to Rocket Queen, it is on the bridge of the song. I mean, you should go listen to Appetite Destruction in general because it is a phenomenal album. But in the chaos of rock and roll, here's Axl Rose just doing what he does. That is fantastic. Needed the right pitch for screaming. Fantastic. Thank you for that opening statement, Ryan Benner. Let's move on to someone who allegedly has been pre-gaming and says he also has to leave a little bit early tonight on the broadcast. I assumably because he's going to go to another fucking beer fest, which is very impressive. Um, the nods of approval over the Zoom, so we're just going to roll with that. Indianapolis's favorite son, J.K. Wilemon, what you got for the people on your brief episode? Hey, what's up, everybody? Glad to be here. Uh, beautiful Saturday here in Indianapolis. It's uh, a crisp, like, 82 to 85 with cloud cover, so it's wonderful. Oh, uh, screw but yeah. you. It's over 100 here in New yeah, England. Yeah, it, it really dying. does suck here. Well, yeah. That's but... because God hates New England. So uh, this week, yes. On the Patriots. <laughs> hi, Mike and Caleb. Welcome to an average Tuesday for me here in Dallas. We don't have AC up here. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, been at a really good beer fest in downtown Indy, uh, had some good beer and had some beer that I took a sip and threw it away. <laughs> uh, but uh, Jeremy kind of stole what I was going to talk about from my opening statement, but he focused on the on the A's there. I'm going to focus on the shitstorm that is the Washington Nationals. You're going to throw the book at probably one of the best players and one of the fastest growing players in the MLB. You're going to throw the books at him to sign him again. He doesn't want to be a part of your shitty organization and play for you because you won't build around him. So he asks, he turns it down, asks for a trade, and then you won't fly him to probably the big, one of the, the second biggest event in the entire MLB season, the All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby. Like, how more big of a piece of shit can you be? Like, you're, you're that actually he won. Yeah, he won he the Home won. Run yeah. Derby. Yeah, he like, won the trophy and brought it back to you just for you to be like, oh, sorry, we're a bunch of pieces of shit. The absolute so, pettiness of Washington. Yeah, like this is actually making Houston look semi-good. Like Houston probably has the worst baseball staff operations, and now Oakland and Washington are having a face-off on who can have the worst front office. Like, Jesus, what a week. I, I don't what a know. Week. I don't know if I'm more mad at Washington for how they treated Juan Soto or more mad at them for like us saying good job, Houston. I will, ne- I will never say good job, Houston, ever. But I will say, like, I don't know how to feel about this whole Juan Soto thing because now the Cardinals are in the front runner position to claim him, but we're going to trade our entire farm for him. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how I feel about it. So, how bad do you want a World Series? I do want a World Series very badly, but I don't know if we need another bat. We need more pitching. Yeah, he's not wrong there. Yeah, the, that's our pitching. That's our problem is we have no pitching. I, I would argue that San Diego has a better farm system that we would happily give away because we have zero of the rings. 
of course we i'm talking as a fan but uh I, I would very much like a ring please sir fuck the yankees in the 90s you guys ruined my hopes and dreams I, i'm just ready to see what's going to happen the off season with aaron judge I, i'm really excited to see that i want to see how big of a contract he can get because he's he's killing it this year and he hates the yankees apparently so i'm really excited to see yeah, he's basically to told that 10 year old on that interview to like go fuck himself <laughs> right <laughs> Well, I mean, who doesn't tell a 10 year old to go fuck themselves? Fair. You're not, you're not normal supposed people. to. Normal people. Yeah, you know, there are plenty of good Yankees to cheer for, but, you know, go fuck yourself. I'm not coming back. Well, there's one person. Maybe like a more. There's one person on this panel who's been banned from MOB, the show, for telling 10 year olds to go fuck themselves. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to name them, but we know one. Listen, I did my time. It's fine. <laughs> oh, you went to internet jail. That's fun. I'm yeah. surprised we haven't gone to internet jail yet here. <laughs> Wait for it. Still time. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So, n- not to allude to anything in particular, but let's head to our next opening statement from our own designated debater, Caleb McChesney. Caleb, what you got for the folks? Yeah, live from quarantine. I've had COVID since uh, since uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, and um, I'm sitting down. I'm watching baseball last night, and I don't know what was making me more sick: my COVID nineteen symptoms or watching the Red Sox try to play baseball. Twenty five to eight. I don't know what to say. Twenty eight to five. No, it's twenty eight to five. COVID brain. Um, yeah, it's just I don't know what to say anymore. It, like. If this, if this doesn't give them a reason to just sell on this team and get rid of any asset they can just to try to build for next year because they're not competing this year. Like, it's just not happening. I don't see them – I don't see them making a wild card at this point. So, at this point, trade Xander Bogarts. Don't pay him. I don't care. Like, the only person I'm willing to resign right now is Devers. That's it. And uh, I, I hope that they fire that outfielder. Because he didn't, like, he just gave up. He was like, doing first, his own research on that ball, like he does his own research on other things. But I'll, I'll leave that out. But <laughs> who was it? Was it Arroyo again? It was Duran. Oh, oh yeah, get, get the fuck out of here! Come on. Yeah, the Red Sox can't play defense, uh, despite having the best defensive second baseman in in baseball. But he's out with injury. So I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying to Duran, like, first off, one. You, you misread the ball entirely. Two, you let it go to the wall and you just watched it. And three, it walked there, yeah. Walked yeah. there. Three, you let Rymel fucking Tapia get it inside the park home run. Rymel Tapia doesn't have a bat. The man couldn't hit in Coors Field. What the fuck? Yeah. Apparently he's got legs. At this point, I've pretty much all but resigned my Red Sox fandom for the year. I am now supporting the Miami Marlins to hopefully just finish over 500, but at least – at least they have heart. The Red Sox don't. You got the greatest uh, fountain that shoots out when home runs get hit in all of baseball. So you got that going for you. I don't even. Yeah. Fuck the Red Sox at this point. I, I mean, it's better than City Field in New York. The first time they tried to raise up the apple after they built that thing, it just started bouncing up and down and smoking and almost exploded. So I, I guess that's pretty similar to uh, the outfield play this season but yeah that sucks thank you for that so i want to close off our opening statements this week normally i try not to take too much time here but god damn i found something this week and i just gotta fucking talk about it um so 
for those of you who don't follow me on social media because I don't have social media, thank you. Um, I found out this week that during the pandemic, there was some dude that claimed that J.K. Rowling gave him carte blanche to quote unquote fix Harry Potter. And some of the changes here are a Dementors are now Latina, not Latin X, meaning they're just females. So that's one of them. Hermione is now Hermione, like, uh, you know, kind of a gangster sounding version of Hermione. Uh, Hagrid has fibromyalgia for no fucking reason. Uh, wands are called. Lines. Y- yes, very thick. Yeah. Keep up. Keep up. Wands are now called bang noodles. Uh, Hogwarts has a billiards table and Harry Potter is now Italian American and the whole series is now renamed Giuseppe Stromboli. Okay. So, so Harry Potter is Jimmy Garoppolo? No, no, no. Harry Potter is Giuseppe Stromboli. So Hogwarts right. is a subway is what we're saying. Uh, no, but I assume that it was also relocated to New Jersey. Um, hey, gotta get to bring home the Gabagool. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I found this, you know, earlier on this week, apparently it happened in 2020 and there was a fake text message exchange between JK Rowling and the guy who created Giuseppe Stromboli. And so I thought because the post, it had a couple of names, you know, for some of the books and stuff, I thought, you know, I'm going to go ahead and name the rest of them. So I'm going to go one through eight. So including the cursed child here. So here we go. So first off, we have Giuseppe Stromboli and the briefcase of meet the balls, which was one of the initial ones. So that's a good one. All right. Then we have the second one, Giuseppe Stromboli and the alley of wise guys. All right. Come on. Forget about it. Next one. Giuseppe Stromboli and the prisoner of Rikers Island. I mean, come on. It's way too close. I couldn't help myself. Next up, we have the Gabagool of fire. All right. Because that Gabagool is straight fire, homie. Next up, we have the baked ZD coalition uh, for uh, the Order of the Phoenix, of course. Then we have um, for instead of the half blood prince, we have the half made wise guy. Um, yeah, because Snape, I mean, come on, he just fucking did it throughout. And then for the series like coup de gras, we have Giuseppe Stromboli and fat Tony supplies, which fat Tony supplies would be Genevieve's meatballs, the master bang noodle and the invisible 1932 Ford model 18 V eight. All right. So if, if you need to look it up, it's a fucking invisible gangster car. OK, you know, I I'm generally not interested in the real Harry Potter. And this one is already more appealing to me. Woke yes. up this morning. Got yourself a wand. <laughs> a bang noodle. Get a right bang noodle. Wait until and- the ninth book comes out and it's Giuseppe Stromboli and the passed out muff garbage. Oh, it- so now we have a ninth one, but here's the eighth one. Instead of the cursed child, it's Giuseppe Stromboli and the kid who don't like chicken parmigiana. Forget about him. All right. Get out of here. Fucking redheaded stepkid. Anyways. So that is my Giuseppe Stromboli book series. Um, I really hope somebody wants to go ahead and write that. Um, yeah. Okay. So those are our opening statements for the oh, Ryan. Go for it. I was going to say it's probably still going to be better than the Sopranos movie. Oh, oh, yeah, so, they, they have a pool table in Hogwarts now. How would that not be better? That's a huge plot twist. Oh, yeah. I I just want to see how somebody would work about an invisible 1932 Ford Model 18 V8 just wandering around Hogwarts. 
like just fucking bellowing fucking smoke out from underneath it or whatever just oh that would be fantastic instead of instead of quidditch they're just playing dice oh that was another thing that i was gonna save until later but they the non-magical world has decided that quidditch is no longer called quidditch it's called quad ball so uh check yourself i'm so excited for the first time somebody pulls out a wand and Sheffy just pulls out a switchblade and shanks him with it (laughs) (laughs) when guardian fuck your abs that's gonna be it that's a good spell now take the cannoli (laughs) <laughs> yeah that that'll be his like after move like forget about it fucking tosses a cannoli on him that'll be great that'll be great okay let's go ahead and get into the show this week we decided to start off with because we knew caleb was having a little bit of a rough week so we wanted to start off with something that would make him very 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 happy uh, here we go uh, let's go ahead and talk about the nfl preseason with nfl training camps opening up soon caleb what storyline i wonder are you following the most heading into this upcoming season and how does it play out okay so <clears throat> there's there's two really one is uh they finally allowed jimmy Garoppolo's agents to go find a trade i'm um, really interested to see if anything comes out of that or if he's still on the roster by like halfway through preseason they're like you know what screw it we can't find anybody and we'll just cut you and you can go figure it out yourself i'd be really interested to see that and i'm really uh scared i guess to find out who's going to be calling plays for the patriots whether it be fat patricia or joe judge who is really just loud corny in unintelligible bill belichick uh or if it's Bill Belichick himself calling plays and just pulling the strings, being mastermind himself. And last time that happened, uh, Wes Welker blew his ACL in 2009. So yeah, I'm really scared to see what comes out of that. Um, Otherwise I'm really interested to see all of the new uh, quarterbacks in different places. See how it works out. Matt Ryan and Indy, uh, Russell Wilson in Denver. Uh, if Carson Wentz cleans it up in Washington, which we all know isn't going to happen, Washington is where players go to die. Um, and then uh, maybe who ends up as quarterback for uh, Cleveland? Because Deshaun Watson is likely to face like an eight game suspension. I saw just recently, and uh, they just signed uh, another failed 2018 draft class quarterback, Josh Rosen. Uh, Really interested to see how all these moves work out for them. But I think the number one thing is, yeah, who's who's calling plays for the Patriots? Because I don't think anybody in that building knows besides Bill. They're ready for – they're ready to plummet. They are. Um, I mean, what has Josh Rosen done? He got drafted 10th uh, in the draft in 2018 and went a whopping 3-for-10 with 11 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. Josh Rosen has actually been on like five different teams. Can anybody name them? Cardinals. Uh, uh, Cardinals, Cardinals, Dolphins, Tampa Bay, um, and uh, the Saints. No. Rams. No. Fuck. Detroit. No. I I know it. I thank you. Um, hang on, I got it right oh, here. No, don't look it up. Oh, of so course he's looking. You're okay, not, you're not all right, then fine. Then I won't. I won't announce it. But I did just oh, read it. Oh. So there's a team he was just with, and then a team he was with, I think, last season or two seasons ago? Two seasons ago. Okay. So Cardinals. You got Cardinals, you got Dolphins. Dolphins. You you got Tampa Bay. And then you got who he was just with, and then now you have Cleveland. 
Well, there's one more too, kid. Oh, there was? Yeah. I'm I'm so this will of... be a six team? Yeah, he'll be, on... will be a six team? I think that's right, yeah. Okay, I'll just list it. You got right. Arizona. Yep. You have... Miami. Miami right after that. And then you have Tampa. And then yep. you have the Niners. That is right. Oh, my God. He was a weird stint in San Francisco. And then he went to Atlanta, and now he's with Cleveland. I forgot about Atlanta. I don't think he actually, like, ever did anything for... I don't think he ever... I don't think he even suited up for the for the Niners when he was there, but... It was a weird stint. It was just like, he's here. He's not here. I think, he was on their, I think he was on their practice squad. And then on his Twitter, too, on Josh Rose's Twitter, his profile picture is when he was drafted with Arizona. And then his cover is uh, when he was with Miami. And then his bio says uh, Atlanta quarterback. I think he just gave up. <laughs> yeah. Either that or he his PR does. agency gave up. One of the two. But, yeah, he's a, he's a Cleveland Brown now. Yeah. So, yeah, like obviously that kind of clears the topic of him being on six teams in a whopping four, five seasons. So, three seasons, four three. seasons. Yeah. Five. Yeah, this, would be, this, yeah. would, this would be his fifth season. Yeah. yeah. So, obviously, the Cleveland Browns know that they <clears throat> made a huge mistake uh, with bringing on Deshaun Watson. Now they don't have Baker Mayfield, and now they're going to have to put their pitiful season in the pitiful hands of Josh Rosen. And your goat beeper set. Make sure you so yeah, yeah. right there. Sorry. Former Patriot. Former so, Dolphin. Yeah. So we'll see how that plays out for them. I'm ready to watch that one burn. And we're all cheering for it. Oh, absolutely. I'll give I'll donate gasoline if I can afford it. Yeah, gas is coming down in price. We can afford it. Just I mean, hell, we could go with crude oil. South Carolina. That's that's the trick. Oh, my former state. Just, That's wonderful. Just go get some corn corn liquor or whatever and just set that on fire. Yeah, Everclear always works. Exactly. All right. So, Ryan Benner, how are you or how is the NFL going to make fullbacks great again? I'm reading his hat. Well, unfortunately, the NFL is not going to make fullbacks great again because we are a pure passing league. And we no still get juice check. <sighs> well, there's always hope. But I mean, I mean, for when it comes to the NFL, there's a couple things I'm keeping an eye on. One, I think the major thing for me specifically is just the absolute um, powerhouse that the AFC West is as a whole. Um, it's actually weird to think that the Kansas City Chiefs actually got worse this year from that division. They actually tended, and it's not even like they actually got worse. They just had, they just didn't add a lot compared to the other three teams. And in they the division. did, they did uh, get rid of Tyreek Hill. They did get rid of Tyreek Hill. Orlando. Um, Orlando uh, Brown is like he's probably not, he may actually not play for them now. If like do those contract disputes, they lost key pieces on their defense. Um, say so that the Chargers absolutely just blew it out of the blew it out of the water with what they added on both offense and defense. Obviously, the Raiders added Devontae Adams, um, Broncos, you know, Mr. Unlimited uh, at quarterback. Um, so the AFC West is an absolute powerhouse now. It's going to be fun to see how that how that ends up playing out. Um, you know, earlier this week, Kyler Murray signs his five-year extension. I would love to see if Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray can figure out what a second half of the season looks like and see if they can actually play football. Yeah, speaking of Kyler Murray, he got paid. At the, I will actually note this. I'm going to say this right now. Um, this is a public service note to both the Baltimore Ravens and the Denver Broncos. Uh, this is now the time, if you would like to get a quarterback cheap, uh, this is now the time that you get both – um, yeah, Lamar has to be pissed. Yeah, Lamar, this is where you have to pay Lamar and Russell because that 
Is Russell's contract up after this year? He's got two years, so he had an extension done. Okay. But so yeah, Kyler Murray gets paid. So let's see if you know him and Cliff Kingsbury can figure out what a second half of the season looks like. Um, and then kind of just like a personal one for me is because I I I like him as I wanted to see what Trevor Lawrence um, looks like in a second year with actually a legit coach and hopefully not. Well, I don't know about a legit. Stokesy's not happy with that one. Well, Stokesy doesn't like uh, Clemens, and I can understand that. Well, who who could like Clemens? I but uh, I like Sean Watson coming out of there. See, that's like, I like Trevor Lawrence. I don't like Clemens. And, you know, I like when he went to Urban Meyer, I was like, oh, this is fucking horrible. And so for me, I want to, I am going to keep an eye out and see, like, okay, can Trevor Lawrence actually develop and be an NFL quarterback? Or did Urban Meyer absolutely just fuck all of this up? Yeah, everybody you, uh, knew Urban Meyer was a bad idea when Tim Tebow came in as a tight end or a fullback or whatever it was last season. If I mean honestly, if Urban had stayed there for one more year, he would have gotten fired anyway because he would have grinded up on Trevor Lawrence in the club, thinking he was the girl grown <laughs> ground up on last year. So only at his own bar. Only at his own there, bar. That's there. right. Yeah, then he would have offered to pay tuition. Um, so just in case you've been living under a rock, Kyler Murray, five-year extension worth two hundred and thirty point five million dollars, one hundred and sixty million dollars guaranteed trevor lawrence learned a lot about jesus at a public school but with the supreme court this week who knows what the fuck you could do anyways let's go ahead and move on jeremy your nfl preseason storyline and how does it play out during or after the season as a texans fan i'm just going to look at every other team in the league right now so there's really two for me to jump out one is the seattle seahawks and what the hell they're doing at quarterback right now of course cock lock so So you trade Russ for Drew Locke, who as a Denver native now, he's on a Powerade billboard out here and they wouldn't even let him put the Broncos logo on his jersey. So he's just wearing a blue jersey with orange pants that has no logo on it on a Powerade billboard because that's how much he's hated Denver. So he gets traded to Seattle where the other quarterback on the roster at the time is Geno Smith. And then their big answer to that is let's not draft a quarterback. Let's sign Jacob Eason. For a team who underachieved last year, those are that's an elite quarterback competition. That is an elite quarterback competition right there to see who the best third string quarterback to start will be. Um, but then the other storyline for me kind of goes along the lines of Geno Smith, and it's how long into the preseason does it take for Tyreek Hill to break Tua's jaw for underthrowing him? <laughs> so I appreciate, that. I appreciate that Geno Smith connection. That was good. You got to like them together. Somebody made a good point to me the other day too, right? And so with Tyreek being in KC, he was their speed guy. If you look at the roster in Miami right now, the number two wide receiver behind Tyreek Hill is Jalen Waddle. Guess what Jalen Waddle's game is? Speed. Run really, 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 really fast. Belichick's so arch nemesis, Tyreek's yeah. Been, Tyreek's been vocal about it. How long until him and freaking Jalen Waddle together just go into the owner's office and say, we're quitting because Tua can't throw a 30-yard pass? So that's the other storyline for me is how long until Tua is literally thrown out of Miami by his top two receivers. A funny a funny detail about that Geno Smith story. So, like, when the Jets and Bills played and when Geno's, like, jaw wasn't fixed, Rex Ryan was the coach of Buffalo, and he made that linebacker who broke Geno's jaw the captain of that game. <laughs> Like he went out for the coin toss and Gina was right there, like staring at his face. It was amazing. Awesome. But shout out Rex Ryan for just the ultimate memeability of a head coach. Wow. Wow. 
go get a foot fetish. That's wonderful. That'd be really good foot soldiers today, right, guys? <laughs> uh, so that's what he's calling them nowadays. Certainly that will get me benched high on West Welker. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, well, the main storyline I'm looking into is totally personal, and it's the Debo Samuel uh, situation out there with uh, McChesney's, like, second or fourth or fifth or whatever NFL franchise like no I only flip-flopped with baseball the Patriots got my heart I just like a lot of quarterbacks ah gotcha gotcha a lot of Patriots quarterbacks I assume yes all Patriots quarterbacks yeah yeah now when um when I was working in news um and I was a stringer uh I was following around um Chapman High School in the before mentioned state of South Carolina and Debo Samuel was a part of that team and basically led them very, very deep into the playoffs. So got to see a lot of the future rising, budding real university of South Carolina, USC wide receiver superstar. He was, and I really hope wherever he ends up, which I have no idea where he's going to end up. I hope it's green Bay, but it's probably not going to be. I would love that. Oh, I think it would be great. I think his game would like fill an old niche for a Ron Rodiger's, but I just don't see it happening. He's going to wind up in Carolina when Carolina trades a McCaffrey to have Ew. like seven backs on the roster. Gross. Uh, My man. fantasy team does not enjoy that, Jeremy. Hey, huh? you have two mediocre quarterbacks there, man. Darnold and Baker are apparently in a quarterback competition now. So you have not one, but That's two. So disgusting. That's so disgusting. That's so disgusting. That might be worse than Seattle. According to NFL reporter Bucky Brooks, Sam Darnold is the better quarterback of the two, and I'm just – I don't even know what to make Ooh. of that. Oh Did my Bucky gosh. get plastered in his negotiations there and have a few before he wrote that article? Or? No, Bucky just took plenty of hits on practice squad, and so now he has no idea how to properly examine football. Sam Darnold is much better than Baker Mayfield at getting mono. He's also better at seeing ghosts. It's fair. True. <laughs> you make a strong point. I see dead people. What oh. I hope Sam Darnold, once he realizes that his NFL career is over, that he goes over to Discovery Channel and gets one of those like paranormal investigation shows. And he's just like, I see ghosts out there. And they got, it's really got just, like a, it's really they just got like a ghost Bill Belichick's uh, Nantucket house. <laughs> they got like a ghost realtor now. I could see him being the guy that like goes into like high school locker rooms with like underperforming teams. And he's like, we got to sage this. You guys will win the next game. Oh, the sage. <laughs> Personally, if that series does happen, I hope that they also get the guy who uh, played the fake David Blaine and David Blaine street magic to like be the co-host with him just so he could do like awkward, like movements and stare weirdly into the camera. That would be great. That would be great. Speaking of great, I need a refill, but coming up next, we'll discuss this week's Das Boot topic of the week. Youth sports, helicopter parents, coaching, and just all around. What a fucking shit show youth sports is today. You're listening to Plaster Negotiations, where none of the debates are legally binding.
right, welcome back to Plaster Negotiations. Before we get into this week's DOS Boot topic of the week, um, one thing I forgot to do during opening statements was I want to get it on recording what each of our punishments will be if we lose an episode. So mine, if you know, I end up losing an episode, is going to be a shot of Jepson's Malort. All right. So, uh, Caleb, as our designated debater, I would for say another like six months. Yep. Another what? Another like six, seven months. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But until that time, if you lose, uh, what is the worst flavor of Gatorade for you? Oh, that white cherry stuff. Okay. So, white cherry. <laughs> Actually, Gatorade. no, wait. They came out with like this cucumber one. Oh, just yeah. recently that one sucks ass cucumber gatorade uh you're gonna have to chug the whole thing so that'll Damn, be awesome. dude yeah yeah hey, hey not, a, not a shot chug the whole thing yeah losing Ugh. has punishments here all right phelps all that and then mr biscuit jersey no don't wear that nobody deserves that phelps what do you have what's your punishment gonna be i'd probably take it back to the college days and just drink a shot of sailor jerry's Oh my dear God! Ugh. Actually, that might Sailor, actually be one of the horsemen. Sailor Jerry's like the like junior varsity methed out version of Captain Morgan. I mean, he's just crushing it in life right now. <laughs> that he is. That he is. All right, Cade. What is going to be your punishment if you lose? Which will be this week. It, it will fine. be. I, I just want to announce that uh, my date to today's uh, beer festival. Uh, just said that uh, cucumber Gatorade is actually good. Well, that's the last date you'll ever have of her. <laughs> like she had a few beers at this beer festival. So apparently she hates New Englanders too. Okay, what's going to be your losing shot? Oh, God. Um, or losing whatever. I have a love-hate relationship with Jack Daniels. So I'll say Jack, but there is a distillery less than a mile from my house. So I will go and try their most painful shot I can find, and I'll do that as my first one. So you just gotta do swigs of Jack Daniels every week, huh? All right, so we'll put down Ryan Bender's like, damn, I wish I could do that and call it a punishment. <laughs> no, he just grabs the bottle. So Jack Daniels <laughs> and a local distillery. All right, uh Benner, what's gonna be your punishment? My punishment is gonna be a surprise every week. You know, it could be I'm doing shot shots of Jetson's Miller. With could ice cream. Be- with ice cream it could be that i shotgun the the bottle of sake i have in my fridge it could be that i do shooters of uh, moonshine i'm gonna mix it up every week man okay. Is better. Like Ryan, okay. they, they have a thing called aa you should probably sign up for it no i want to encourage this i, I really do um benner you know those old school like when you were a kid you would pull them and it would be like a little toy and it would have an arrow on it and it would point to a random like uh like an animal like a cow or a steer or whatever i want you to put like jepson's malort like and all these terrible shots on there and then it'll just go in a circle it lands on one and that's the one you do absolutely okay great so we're just gonna put animal kids toy of terror shot there we hashtag, go. Hashtag Nikki Six lifestyle. Oh yeah. I uh, actually no. I, I think Ryan's punishment should he should have to listen to like it's a small world music from uh Disney for like five minutes. Kids bot. <laughs> yeah. I'll take the bottle of Jepsons, please. 
<laughs> yeah, we could combine them. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, let's move on to our, our DOS boot topic of the week. Uh, so we've all seen them, Karens, be them male or female, at youth sporting events who think that their coat or that their crotch goblin, I should say, needs more playing time, even though they are just god awful bringing down the team. We've also seen bat dads fight e each other because Randy ain't heard no bail. So I thought this was America. Yeah, so did I. Cade Wilemon, because you got to take off, and because you do, you automatically get the loss for next week. So enjoy that jack shot. But before you do, double birds up. What is the worst aspect of youth sports, in your opinion, and how do we fix it as a society? Oh, that's a that's a good one. Um, how about just parents being mature for once? How about that? That that's a good aspect that they should probably change. <laughs> What? fucking karen's it was bad as my mother's name is karen so oh. she automatically as soon as i like start reading off like a video or something like if i'm ever like at home she's like kate stop saying karen because we're not all bad and i'm like oh i don't know karen they're all pretty bad and so they're all pretty freaking bad but this shit's just getting ridiculous like wanting to fight the parent or fight other parents wanting to fight the referee or the umpire in the in the freaking parking lot this is getting ridiculous. Like, good Lord. When, when we were kids, like this wasn't a problem. Everybody's feelings are getting hurt. People are telling their kids they're special when they're not like your kid is not going to be Aaron judge. Okay. Calm down. Quit trying to fight the umpire. Okay. If your kid swings a tomahawk style at a baseball, that's a mile high. That's probably his coach's fault. You should probably fight your coach or just don't write him a check, but this shit's getting ridiculous. I think, what was it? Two years ago, the, like this, honestly, probably Italian mafia or Russian mafia family, like followed the and waited for the umpire at his car and then jumped him. Like this. Yeah, is getting, that was that hockey game. Was it hockey? I thought it was, it was a youth hockey game. Oh, I remember. They that. waited for this official out in the parking lot, and multiple parents jumped him while taking their kids' skates. The kid, the so, official died for so, like a fifty dollar yeah, yeah, paycheck. Yeah. So book number 10 is Giuseppe Meatball and the pipe bomb of officiating. Exactly. Giuseppe Stromboli. Oh, exactly. Like, this, this is getting ridiculous. Parents need to grow up. This is, this is ridiculous. Indeed it is. And because you said you wanted to put forward your Alex Moran player of the week, I'll, uh, I'll type it on the script and then we'll come back to it a little bit later. Uh, Cade, who is in absentia uh, your Alex Moran player of the week? Okay. I don't know why I went with this one. Um, and if I wasn't leaving early, this one would probably get me a loss anyways, but I just find this one quite hilarious and I don't know why. Uh, August 2nd, 2021, uh, the Baltimore Orioles are beating the lovely New York Yankees seven to one when a small kitten decided to run out on the field and they have to pause the entire game and wait for these slow ass game day staff to go get it off the field so this cat gets just applauds upon applauds for doing absolutely nothing just being out there he just happened to sneak through security just getting on the field you know just trying to get some fandom and he gets absolutely applauded so i, I give him the props I, I i like the hard work no effort i, I guess that's contradicting but little effort lots of applauds and yeah that, that'd be my alex moran and and is that was that at Yankee Stadium or in Baltimore? 
I want to say it was in Yankee Stadium. Of course, I have an ad right here, so I would be. Oh no, it's in. Yeah, it's in Yankee Stadium. So that makes it even better. If it was in Baltimore, if it was in Baltimore, he would have been chasing a rat. So as long as there was no rat on the field, it was Yankee Stadium. Probably, but I'm probably chasing a rat at Yankee Stadium too. I don't know. He's probably getting chased by a rat in Yankee Stadium. They're they're as big as cats. A a rat with a switchblade. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's always good. Rat was rocking an A Rod jersey too. Probably. (laughs) Rat shot That's fantastic. <laughs> the rat's the Yankee clipper. <laughs> he was actually, you should have shot a rod. He, he was probably paid by the Italian mafia to kill somebody and uh, just, got gold. <laughs> yeah, he, he froze when the lights hit him. Yeah, Stromboli and the rat city clipper. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so he, he slipped yeah. him a cheese. Exactly. So Sorry, I got to dip early, guys, but that's my Alex Moran player for the week. Just let me know if I need to do double shots, but uh, yeah. Okay, since you offered, yes, we'll uh, start off with that next week. Have fun tonight. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So who is Caleb supposed to argue with now? Anybody. You can argue with anybody. All right, since you're coming out here swinging, Caleb McChesney, Talk to us about what is one of the biggest problems in youth sports today and how do we as a society fix it? Well, you know, my experience with youth sports was a lot different. Uh, My problem wasn't really with my coaches or it wasn't even with my parents yelling on the field because my parents never really showed up to games. They kind of just dropped me off, said, here, have fun. Uh, Come back when the game is over. So I didn't really have a lot of these issues that like, you know, AJ drinking his Gatorade. Um, so no shoes. shoes. I'm really not sure. I think a lot of the issues are kids are just quitting way too, way too soon. And, you know, they get into it for a couple of years. And then once high school hits that competitive drives, like, Oh my God, these kids are like six foot two and I am five, 10, like, uh Oh, um, so I'm not really sure how you can avoid that when it comes to like high school sports, but as far as like, you know, kids go, I think it's just, yeah. Parents just gotta kind of let the coaches do their thing for the most part. And maybe, Hey, we can maybe think about not hiring parents as coaches just to kind of avoid that, you know, putting the, putting the golden child in right field and getting him, you know, whatever. Um, So yeah, I think just, and just making sure you have you have good coaches is definitely like you know the first step. Jeremy, you got something to add? Um, sure, I can roll with it. So, I mean, I think you know the obvious has already kind of been touched on. I mean, parents fighting officials is just stupid. Your kid's not getting a full ride to go play at Duke because you won one game in the middle of the summer in Kansas in Babe Ruth League, right? Yeah, exactly. But no, I mean, for me, I, I think the biggest issue with youth sports right now, it's really kind of two-tiered, but part of it, I think, is just the greed in youth sports kind of leads to a lot of this, right? And so, you know, we've gotten to a point in society, and, you know, I, I talk from the lacrosse side of things, so that's where I'm at, but, I mean, we're ranking club teams all the way down to third graders now. Third graders are ranked nationally as the number one third-grade club team in America. Why? Just a little bit of pressure, Yeah. third graders but but why right so yes you can make more money from that because now you're upcharging to say we have the best club in america come play for us you'll go play at duke but 
yeah, the pressure you're putting on a child at that level. And then you're really just adding fuel to the fire because if you're the number one club team in America and your kid's playing for that and your team's down. You're telling me that's not going to make the parents that much more upset if they get a bad call thrown against them. It's just, it's the greed is just absolutely absurd at this point in youth sports. And it's just, it's, it's crazy to me. I don't know. I mean, I think it's just, it's become something just absolutely ridiculous. And then, you know, just kind of with that on the same tier of it though, you know, I think just the idea that we've gotten to a point as a society now in youth sports to where there's such an emphasis on winning. And it's weird for me to say, cause I was always a kid when, you know, I was playing like youth baseball and they're like, Oh, we're not going to keep score. Nobody won. I was like, it's stupid. Somebody won. But, you know, I think there's, there's just a level to it of, you know, like parents are almost treating their kids like, you know, professional athletes. Now parents like carry their kids bag to the field for them. And you know, with the transfer portal, it's just, and it's taken another level here, but the transfer portal is really working its way all the way down now. Cause now if you're a youth sport and, Oh, he's not playing enough. So I'm going to take him to this team or, Oh, he's not playing enough. I'm going to bitch shoot the coach fired. So you guys believe that, that happened with like Rob Gronkowski when he was in high school, they had him like play a year, year, like a senior year in Pittsburgh. So they could like learn how to block it and stuff. Like it was, yeah. it was really weird. Yeah. It was a weird. But no, I mean, it's just, it's gotten to a point now where it trickles all the way down, right? If now, even as a college player, you make a decision as a freshman, I'm going to go here and there's a kid who's a little bit better than me. You don't have to get better. It's hurting the sport. It's hurting the game. It's hurting every sport because it's everywhere now. We've gotten away from a point of, you actually just have to try to get better. You have to put the effort in. You have to put the work in. And now as a society, we're at a point where, oh, if you're not good enough, that's okay. Because somewhere else you will be, it's somebody else's fault, not yours. Benner, what do you have to add? And oh my God, I can't wait till I get to my point. You guys, thank you for setting this up for me so well. Stokes, before I dive into this, I'm going to like, I just want to ask, do you want to do your point first? Because mine's more of a story. And I got to talk, and it's me going into detail about like just a personal shit that happened in my eighth grade year of football. And so that's why I want to like where my point comes from. So that's what I'm asking. Do you want to get your point out first before I dive into this? Uh, no. I, Stokesy, I think Stokes mine's, mine's based uh, I'll put, I'll put yeah. it like this mine's based around parents so that's whatever yours is based on then <laughs> mine goes in like 15 different directions because right. I hate you start sports. us off better. Better go for it right. Ryan so my so it my um so I, it actually does not it, it dates a little bit back before my eighth grade uh, year of like playing football in like junior high and in, in middle school. Um, one thing I always loved about Colorado, Colorado Springs, where I grew up, is the, the parks and rec department. They, you know, tried to give as many opportunities and set up as many seasons as possible for youth sports. So, like, you know, if you can't play this in the fall, we may have a spring or a summer season. One of those cases was like, you know, they had uh, um, a fall and spring season um, for for football. And even when, when I was in junior high, like, you know, as long as you weren't in high school, like you, you had up until the age of um, four, uh, 15 to play. So like once, like once you turn 15, you're going to play anymore. Um, and so, and so the spring, spring season, when I was in seventh grade, um, we we, you know, we, we found out that the, the local high school was passing down, uh, for the for the um, the district I was in, the high school football program was passing down the playbook to the eighth grade team to kind of like teach them, so they had an idea of what was going on. So when they come up to high school, like you know, we can start getting it's e- it's easier to get them into the system and going. Well, so when we when we found this out, you know, my dad, you know, he he approached the eighth grade coach and said like, hey, if, you know, myself, 
and another dad, like, you know, like we want, we, you know, we want to help, like, let, like, let, let us start a team with Parson Rec. Like, let us have the eighth, the, the, the playbook for eighth grade. You know, we can, you know, walk these kids through it just so they have some knowledge of the playbook and all that going on the eighth grade, eighth grade. And, you know, it's, a, it's an easier. And like, we wasn't like, they, they approached it as like, you know, we're, we're going to use this Parks and Rec season as like a developmental just for the playbook. Not that we're just trying to be good or better. It's just like, we want, you to like be able to understand this like high school playbook earlier on and, and so it's just an easier development in eighth grade and so that happened you know me and so it ended up me and a couple of my friends and a couple of the other kids that were on that team we all we all ended up being on this park right team that was coached like i said coached by my dad and another father and that father ended up being his son ended up being the quarterback for the team at an eighth grade like we we weren't good like i said we were using this for a developmental thing um Near the end of the season, like these were only like six game seasons, so it was like week four or week five. I ended up getting sick, and I'm and this is why I remember this because I couldn't believe that this parent even settled this. I ended up getting sick, and I ended up with, with bronchitis. Um, I had I have asthma, so you know that that fucks with me. Um, missed an entire week of practice, missed the game, and especially in Colorado Springs, where it's oh, about mile high, if not higher. Exactly. Exactly. And so I was down for a while. Um, I came back that next week like on a Wednesday. I was still sick, but the bronchitis was basically out of my seat, out of my system. And I could, I was practiced in, in, in all of that. I was able to practice and all that. Um, one thing like my dad always incorporated was just like, you know, we got us to stay in shape and all that. So both condi- conditioning, whether you won or lost. Um, and so, and so at the end of the practice, I was, like I said, I was coming off bronchitis. So instead of, doing you know wind sprints all that he had the coaches had me on the side doing push-ups sit-ups other calisthenics stuff that i can do without like causing an asthma attack well this mom and i rem- i will never forget her this bitch her name was tanya so fuck yeah. you first off tanya fuck you i'm gonna be saying that multiple times throughout this story it was probably hyphenated as tanya karen well, she's Tanya Stromboli. Tanya Karen Stromboli. She she walks up, and she was just she was like, "Ryan, why aren't you running?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm still getting over being sick. I'm so they have me doing calisthenics." And then she's like, "Well, that's not fair. Why is my son running? Then he was the best player last week. He played linebacker and running back. He was the star. He okay. should he, he should have been running." And so he you know so then we finish up and all that, and she starts like. My dad, like I said, my dad was the head coach. She starts questioning. I was like, why is, why is he running? Why is he running? And she's like, Tanya, I will talk to you later. Let me finish practice. And so he, you know, he wraps up and I get in the truck and he's putting away all the equipment and all that. And she just starts yelling. It's like, fuck you. Fuck you from her car. My, and, you know, my dad was like, Ryan, stay in the truck. My dad walks over. It's like, what's going on? And she just started cussing him out, cussing his store and saying, my son's the best on this team. And all that he shouldn't be running. You, you, your team wouldn't be anything out without him. Again, remember, this was the purely just for development. So this season was development so we could learn the playbook and all of this. Um, my dad, like, if Stoltz, can back on my dad, like, he's a good man. He can hold his temper. But if you push him far enough. He'll he'll snap and he ended up snapping. He said, Don't ever come back to another one of my fucking practices. Don't ever talk to me or anything like this. I'm not here to win. I'm help, here to help the kids better themselves for next year. We get back in the truck and all this. 
Um, and, and then it goes on. Like I said, we had like maybe three more weeks of practice. Um, anytime we did, it turns out, um, she told her son to try to hurt me in practice because of my father. Uh, so he, anytime we did hitting drills, he started trying to aim for my head, um, trying to aim for my knee, um, anything he could do to hurt me. Um, and so, well, he got, you know, got called on that. So we basically stopped doing hitting drills because he was, he was obviously he was trying to hurt me. And in and all this um, season ends, we go in the eighth grade. Uh, we have two a days and, and all that. And I come in from an active practice, whether he's waiting to just, he's waiting in, inside the building, right outside the locker room to pick me up. Cause we had to go beat my family for dinner. I come in and she's in his face. And this is what, this is where it's even more funny is not only was she yelling at him, but by her side was the mom of her son's girlfriend. She got her to come and yell at my dad saying, you're a piece of shit. You're a piece of shit. How dare you treat my son like this and all this. And fun fact, our head coach walked in right after this and, and, and saw this. And he was like, what, what did this, what, what the hell is it about? And my dad was like, she's just, she just mad at me for last year. Some things with her son that had really nothing going on. Um, turns out at, also at the same time, she also accused my dad and started this rumor amongst the teen's parent that he was feeding me steroids at age 13. That's why I was like four inches bigger, taller than everyone else. Um, so yeah, this woman caused all this shit. And I, by the way, again, we were in junior high. The final thing she did is by the, after eighth grade, I, I decided to go to a different high school and leave this district one, because the, the district I was going to, it was a lot of kids that I grew up playing with in, in literally in, in peewee and all that. And I was like, okay, it's people I, I want to play high school with. Cause I've known them in my entire childhood. So I went there. Um, we figured out it was her, but she anonymously uh, mailed a letter to my house and turned around and said like, we are so happy that your son has left the district and the school. You are a pathetic father. Your son, your son is pathetic and worthless child. He will not succeed. And, and all this. So with like the PTA or something, sounds uh, like a PTA uh, member to me. Oh, 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 oh yeah. 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 President oh, in absentia of oh, the yeah. PTA. Yeah, she had, but here's the thing. She had nothing to do with the PTA. Her entire focus was being a stay-at-home mom um, and just making sure her kids had everything they need for sports. So this is how my eighth grade year went, is just dealing with this woman and her son who went out of his way to um, hurt me in practice, um, you know, fuck with my equipment and, and all this. And so I will leave this with this. Tanya, fuck you, bitch. Um, I hope that divorce was expensive. And yes, it was me that paintballed and edged your house over Memorial Day weekend. I hope you enjoyed that paint that new paint job on your SUV. What a Chad move. <laughs> <laughs> so fuck parents and do sports. Oh god, I could not agree more. So so the, the general consensus so far is uh keep parents as uninvolved as possible outside of just cheering for your kid. Yes, that is literally all the academic research too supports that, that the only thing until they get to about the age of 16, you should be doing is saying, hey, great job. Let's watch some video. Let's figure out how to get you a little bit better. You know, maybe I'll run with you around the uh, neighborhood or something to get your Let's conditioning. Let's not watch out. video together, though. I've seen more than enough times where parents are coaching their kid on the wrong shit. Let's not watch video together. You want to watch it on your own? Great. Oh, I mean, that, that's like closer to 16. Um, but yeah, you're probably right on that, too, Jeremy. You know, us academics get it wrong now and again, so. So I'm going to take it from a little bit of a different perspective, but first, um, here's, 
<laughs> here are the people that I was coached by. Um, they turned out to be felons, plural. Um, <laughs> so we're talking about, oh, just embezzlement of public funds over a hundred thousand dollars felony have fun and pound you in the ass prison that was one of my offensive coaches for football um another one of which who needed a literal pump to go take a leak i'll say it again he needed a pump to go take a leak was arrested for felony prostitution okay so you just take that in whatever direction your mind wants to go was the pump involved uh, the police report didn't say it, it really didn't. Although he was like basically arrested out back of this like peach stand in South Carolina. Anyways, we're not going to get into that now. It's all part of the public record. If you look hard enough or easy enough, you'll be able to find it. And it's disgusting anyways. So these were my idols growing up and I hated all of them while I was playing for him. So youth sports to me has always just been this clusterfuck, right? And I should also mention that the offensive coordinator and Mr. I'm going to pay for sex, even though I have a wife at home and I'm also a reverend, I may be a little bit salty here. Um, yeah, his kid was also on the team and immediately got put up onto varsity as an eighth grader, even though he sucked. So good job there. Have fun at your D3 college and your mini many, many traumatic brain injuries. Yeah, I'm not salty. So what I want to really get after here with the worst aspect of youth sports, I'm going to take you guys back. It was about 14 months ago. I was still living down in the deep South, a state you might know as Alabama, unfortunately. Please don't judge. We were, I was in a, a truck going with a, a guy to head out fishing. It was one of our last times. Benner knows who I'm talking about. Beautiful lake, millionaires everywhere. I just felt so poor, just dragging those big ass bass out of there. It was just awful. Anyway, so we're driving down there and he was telling me, you know, about what one of his kids was doing. His kid was, you know, getting into soccer pretty well. And, you know, as we've seen through the first couple episodes, I like baseball. I really do. And so I asked him, you know, hey, you know, what's up with baseball? How come your kid didn't get into it? And he was like, well, you know, we tried it out with him. And he said, you know, I feel like I'm at such a disadvantage. And we're not talking like a 12 year old or anything. You know, the kid's like six, seven, you know, and it's like, oh, yeah, well, how so? And he's like, well, a lot of the other players go out and get coaches, hitting coaches who used to play in Major League Baseball. I know that maybe I was a little bit sheltered in this development that we're going out and getting former Major League Baseball players who hit above the Mendoza line in the fucking majors to teach six and seven-year-olds how to hit? Are you fucking kidding me with this? Do you guys not understand the pressure you're putting on your son? As well-meaning as it is, I want to give a little Timmy the best coach in the business. And he's going to go out there and he's going to be able to identify six different pitches before he's 10. Do you understand the pressure and the psychological fuck all that comes with saying, oh, here's this major league baseball coach to make you better than everybody else in your shitty rec league. This was not travel ball. 
I'll also say this was recreational. We have to put this on as a city government type of league. What in the absolute fuck is wrong with you parents out there? When, if I can add a point to that too, um, <laughs> you know, I, I heard uh, back when I was coaching back in the day, you know, somebody mentioned this to me and it just made it all make sense. Right. But full scholarships outside of basketball and football essentially don't exist. So, you know, there's 30 something sports in the NCAA and football, you can get a full ride if you want 80 guys, basketball, if you want like 12, sure. Outside of that, partial scholarships are a thing. I coached at, you know, scholarship institutions five years of my coaching career, and I had two players who were on full rides that entire time. So my point to this is kind of what Stosie's saying, how much do you think you're paying for Major League Baseball hitting coach from the time a kid's six until the time he's 18? Thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. For what in return? On average, if you're lucky enough to get a scholarship, probably about $5,000 a year. Multiply that by four, you're basically getting a $20,000 return on investment to essentially spend between that, all the camps you're going to, all the club teams you're playing on. You're probably dropping a hundred grand to make 20 in return. Just let your kid be as good Mm -hmm. as he can be. Stop trying to make him a fucking best to get him a full ride. They don't exist. Right. Right. Whereas in the state of South Carolina, where Jeremy and I both went to school, if you were raised in that state and attended one year of college and had a 3.0 GPA in high school, that's easy. Do you know how to spell coloring book? Then, okay, your college tuition is paid, you know, $20,000 a year. I mean, that $20,000, $5,000 partial scholars, like, come on. And you're going to go out and get a fucking dinger to teach you or teach your kid how to fucking hit a curveball. Get the fuck out of here, man. I'd also argue with that too, that if you're rich enough to afford to go get a major league baseball hitting coach, you're probably rich enough to pay your kid's tuition for college. Right. We used to, we used to throw out what we call the cocktail two, where we'd give a kid a $2,000 scholarship just because he came from a white collar family, just so his parents could go to a cocktail party and say, Oh yeah, he's on scholarship. He's on a full ride. We're throwing in two grand just so they can say it. Not a full ride, not even close to a full ride cocktail too. Oh yeah. And who are the people that you're going to go after after little Timmy graduates with his collective eight to 10 grand scholarship earnings at XYZ university. Yep. Easily easily and i think that's a good spot to end it at Cade wylam on tonight because he lost hard he left early he's going to pick up the bar tab for everybody and do his punishment shot next week but well before then we have two more items to cover this week's rendition of the alex moran player of the week and inspired by jesse cole's new book fans first give it a read it is fantastic all of us except for Cade the loser take a look at tweaking sports for them to become a lot more fan friendly you're listening to plaster negotiations where none of the debates are legally binding stay tuned almost home
welcome back to Plaster Negotiations. Even though Cade's going to pick up the tab, fuck it. Let's have a discussion about revamp sports. Earlier this year, Savannah Bananas owner Jesse Cole published his latest book, Fans First. For those of you who do not know what Banana Ball is, a brief synopsis. It's baseball, but with a focus primarily on entertainment. For example, if a, cat, if a fan catches a foul ball, it's an out. The Bananas are bringing back pitchers who hurled back in the 70s, literally coming down from the stands with beer in hand. And all around, it's just a circus. They've been sold out completely for years. years. I like the Harlem Globetrotters back in the day. Yes, yes. That same innovative um, ideology really resonates with the Savannah Bananas. And if you get to see a game, go Love these guys. Fantastic stuff. So to begin with, Ryan Benner, what sport could be retooled to bring in more fans? And how would you make that happen? Mm. I mean, the one sport that I think needs an absolute um, recharge with how it treats fans and just um, how it just like bases their entire um, like culture and focus around the fans is is the nfl um i don't think they need to go to any great lengths of to like what the savannah bananas are doing like changing factors of you know the the games and, and stuff like that um but i think it's like it's, it's actually easy solutions that they could the upgrades that they can make is one try to cut out as much as the corporate side as possible, except for a couple of certain things. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest fucking things that I had wrong with the NFL, and it's one of the reasons why I don't have my season tickets anymore to the Denver Broncos is I had a real issue one day when I was doing shots and shotgunning beers in the mile high parking lot. And I look over and I see four or five limos, um, pull up and it's people just in suits and ties and power suits and all this stuff. And they were going in to watch the game. That's not fucking football. That's, that's like, well, we're just, you know, we're meeting, right? it's a, it's a business meeting at a football game. No, that's stupid as shit. Look, I know the NFL has to have their sponsors and I know they have all, and they got to focus on that, but like, you don't like, you can't leave the, the freaking average Joe and the beer bums and the hell razors. You can't leave them behind because they are what your major sports so powerful ever since the sixties. I think they need to embrace certain things like, you know, the, the Bud Light and the Miller Light and the Coors Light tailgates. I think they need to like triple down on those and put them like parking how about, lot. How about the Buffalo Bills like condemning uh, their fans for jumping uh, through tables? I mean, to be, okay, oh, he like, has they need, a, to, no, they need no, no. to like, you know, make sure that they don't like piss them off. Like that's just what they do. Like that's just a tradition. Let them do it. Benner has a very unique position on that point in particular. Glad I brought it up. Well, I do. And he's right. And the reason I, and I will actually say this, I actually agree with the Buffalo bills um, on doing that one strictly because of just safety to the fans. Um, because when I was working um, for a specific um, NFL franchise on their fan services team, um, you know, back in the season, the, the 2019 season, uh, Buffalo Bills came to town and, um, 
you know their fans were all over all over the property you know doing their doing their well, stuff like a road game you know that's a little different but i mean at their home stadium and you're walking into like well territory. Uh, let's let's put it this way caleb it was a and i'm not huge on the bills fans in general i think they're a little stupid but no, no, no. This was a spot that a lot of Buffalo fans would have wanted to go to during an NFL season, which is nowhere near the Northeast, but continue, right? Yeah. Um, and it's just, you know, the Buffalo, like, they, I mean, they took over some significant parking lots and stadium parking lots. And I think what it, what it comes down to is they were still technically on NFL property when this happened. Um, a Buffalo fan, he, he, he set up a table he got up on what was actually a wheelchair ramp. He got up on the railings and all that. And he, he was drunk off his ass. First off, uh, he no, jumped off, nosedived, completely missed the table, went into the, um, the, the edge of the sidewalk and curve stomp himself. Broke his neck, broke his jaw, teeth completely busted out. Paramedics and was all that had a rush. I miss when that and, was the synopsis for Buffalo Bills football. Well, my 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 point is when again I'll go back to what I was originally saying. Like I do agree with the Buffalo Bills on trying to calm that shit down. It's just on the strict like fan and guest safety is like when you got people breaking their breaking their jaws, breaking their necks, and losing their teeth over a stunt, lighting tables on fire, getting third degree burns and stuff like that. It's not fun. That's not football. What I'm focused on is you need to cut the corporate side out and except for certain, like in, in certain ways, like I said, expanding the Bud Light uh, tailgate sites instead of one little um, like area, make it stadium wide, make it one giant fucking party. Let people get fucking riled up at a, at a to a safe measure and do, and you know, just let them have fun. You don't need to be a certain tie going to a football game at the same time. One of the things I love that the NFL is doing, and I'm and I've seen this at especially at Mile High, is they are embracing the sports gambling. MGM MGM betting and DraftKings both have their own tailgates and betting centers set up on the properties of Mile High Stadium. I love that. Indulge in that because fans, because sports fans across the country are getting deep into that and they're getting way more attention and way more viewership into that and it makes the it makes fans like feel like they're all a part of the game more um dive into give mgm their own suite or corner of the stadium inside let them go in let them have a party inside the stadium there's there's a way of doing that way of adding corporate in the football and making it a still fan focus and right now the I believe Miami has like a DraftKings like hard like their Hard Rock Stadium has like a DraftKings like area, but Inside I think the, I think in, like in, TD in, Garden might too. But it's weird because the only place you can bet in New England is New Hampshire. Is it is it inside the stadium yep. or is it on the or like outside the property? In oh, Miami, in, in, or, anywhere in New Hampshire. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm but like my Miami focus at, at Hard Rock. Is it inside the stadium? It's or inside it, the stadium. Yeah. Whatever. Okay, so yeah. then they're doing things. They're doing things right. Like Mile High, they only have like tailgates they don't have stuff like inside the stadium they need to start building doing what card rock does and building stuff out and like if you're going to have corporate sponsors like that indulge the fans and let them be a part of it on top of that you know i think the nfl could also do what they like take a book out of like the nba and the um major league baseball in certain occasions and say like oh it's halftime let's pull fans from the seats 
and let them play like let's them let them do something stupid let's them have them play a game of dodgeball against mascots let's have them do 100 yard sprints or something like that get them more involved where people's halftime is not going to spend standing 15 minutes in the bathroom and beer line and then coming back let them get them more involved um one thing i would also love to see just on the fan side is i want to i create an extreme sport and i want to see amateur leagues across the country dive into this medicine ball dodgeball in the dark oh jesus <laughs> blindfolded can uh, oh, well okay. they actually say, can the medicine balls be like glow in the dark or something Yes, I, something like that. But I want medicine ball, dodgeball. Have you ever ha- heard of the sport goal ball? I no. have not. Oh, the, this is a sport for folks with disabilities, um, particularly those who are legally blind. And so what happens is you have... You're, you're, you're not about to tell me they play a medicine balls, do, are you? No. Okay. <laughs> no. No, but I, I'm saying it might be close enough to get this this itch, you know, taken care of. Like, if you've never played this sport, holy shit. Two soccer goals, basically on a basketball court um, at the out-of-bounds lines. Everybody is also blindfolded with total blackout masks. And there's this ball that just makes noise. And the whole thing is you have to dive toward it. And there's like a lot of other people on this line with you. So it's kind of intense. It's like, do I go for the ball? I mean, there's a good chance I'm going to give a shoulder to like Jimmy next to me. What's going to happen? Like, Jimmy has it coming. Yeah, it, he might. He might. But not my dad. Not my dad. Yeah, goddamn right. Goddamn right. So thanks for that, Ryan. Caleb, what sport needs to be retooled for the fans? And how could you make that happen outside of Ryan's suggestion of making sports a lot more blue collar like our fathers? So my idea particularly pertains to hockey, but I guess it could be implemented elsewhere. But my idea remains with hockey and uh, for the hockey brains here. Give me like two or three of like the worst calls you've ever seen in hockey, like from a referee. I'll start with like the no call where Krejci got tripped in the... um, in the Stanley Cup final in 2019, and uh, we lost game six. I think we won the loss. Pittsburgh, seven, Pittsburgh like Penguins that. had six men on the ice for 45 seconds against the Detroit Red Wings in the Stanley Cup finals and I think, 2008, scored a goal and won the series. Worst call ever. Six ben, how about you? Uh, 2021 Stanley Cup finals, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning had six men on the ice and scored the winning goal to win the series. I think with those calls, and this might implement, like, getting okay so i guess my idea particularly goes like not towards no calls but to bad penalties called but i guess this works either way every every team should have at least one particular moment and they pick it per game where they can fight a referee <laughs> tell me that this is a terrible idea they, like they like gets up and says, hey, ice, you like... missed this i'm going to like not crazy was it crazy that got tripped caleb's gonna be one of those parents that confronted the hockey officially in the parking lot no i don't think parents should assault i don't think parents should assault like their kids <laughs> officials i think that i think that players on the ice should be allowed to assault referees if so they get like something today's, uh, today's giuseppe stromboli's day to assault tom the official <laughs> like, so I, i'm just saying like you know like Bruce Cassidy when he was with the Bruins, right? He says, "Hey, go take a look at that." And um, 
the the film review people just like oh yeah that was a bad call thumbs up you can assault him and then they can go do it so so what, so, so your so your pl- your plan is is that if it's a bad call the team can challenge it and if they win the challenge a player from their team gets to go fight the ref yes i see it the other way no 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 i see it the other way the challenge is the fight if you win the fight you get the call if you no no, fight, no 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 cuz like the officials will never agree to just get bombarded after a fight <laughs> Like, like they don't have, they have no say beforehand, but Stokesy, you got up and left. My idea was, um, how do I re-explain it? So say there's a really bad penalty. Ref makes a bad call. You can fight him. I was going to say, it sounds like a trial by combat situation. Is that right, Caleb? No, there's a really bad call on the ice, right? Like egregious. Like this is going to piss off the player. Okay. Like like, this is hockey based, by the way. And the coach can say, Hey, go take a look at that. And like this is just, this is for the really really bad ones. Like the player is obviously pissed. And and uh, where is the like NHL headquarters? Toronto. Like where they go and review Toronto. all those. Yeah. So Toronto calls back says, yeah, this call was egregiously bad. Uh, and this player not only is the play overturned, but the player can fight the ref over it. Okay. Like the player has the right to like punch this ref's teeth in and then not get penalized for it. No penalty box for five minutes. I. I like this idea. I just think like it would be super hashtag American if you could do trial by combat for any call. Like then you would have. Are you really? All... Are you really the most confident in this call that you're gonna fight me over it? Like yeah, yeah, exactly. And then all your refs have to go on the Ed Hockley weight training regimen, like. <laughs> Hey, you're going to get fucking paid. You're going to be fucking jacked and like no jujitsu and shit. So like that adds a whole other dynamic to the game that parents probably couldn't prepare. You're going to have Aaron Donald sized referees. <laughs> Dude, Aaron Donald would lose to like Royce Gracie. Come on. Oh, yeah. Would. Easily. Can I, I just can actually came up with an idea. And before I don't I don't want to cut off Jeremy before Andrew, before he gets his say. Can I just add on to this? Because. Kayla gave me a tremendous idea. Going back into the NFL, let's steal a let's steal a page out of the old Vince McMahon's XFL um, days back in like the early early two thousands. Oh, by the way, shout out to Vince McMahon for uh, retiring. Yeah, <laughs> we're not going to dive into that. Um, <laughs> Did Sean McMahon? Hmm. So back in the the like original XFL days, the way they decided who like was going to get the ball first is they would have two players run at each other, not the shit out of each other. And whoever got the ball first, that was placed at it in the middle of the field, like got ball first. Let's, let's introduce that to the NFL, but instead of players pick a fan from each fan. Base. No coaches, coaches, pick, Bill Belichick versus Andy Reid. No, you got to have somebody who goes around the tailgate and has to pick unbiasedly. So you pick for the other team. Like if I'm coaching the Panthers, you're coaching the Bills. Yeah. I'm going to find the drunkest Bills fan I can find. The Bills coach finds the drunkest Panthers fan he can find at the tailgate. And they're the ones that race. I want this. And then I want to go back to mile high. And I want to run at some fucking Kansas City chief motherfucker and put an absolute goddamn beat down on him. Dude, I- Holy shit. You know what? Bring it back. But you know how you know how in baseball, like the, the manager has to wear the team's uniform? Yeah. I want to see Bill Belichick in pads. I do. I just I want the but we're talking With about cut like off sleeves. 
Yes. But we're talking about like fan focus. I want to get the fans involved. And it was like, you want your like, hey, AFC championship game buffalo bills versus the kansas city chiefs you don't want to see that fucking bills mafia dish out of a coin toss you have that right yeah that's how we settle overtime (laughs) oh that's a fucking bloodbath i feel like all these ideas could work like synergistically i really do jeremy add to this smorgasbord of good ideas to make so it's fun again. I have three sports I would modify. First one, I'll stay on the NFL topic here real quick. I think instead of going yard penalties, we go time serving penalties and we do it like an icing. So in an icing, you have to keep your players that are on the field on the field. So let's say, for example, there's a delay a game. Tom Brady's a quarterback. We'll delay a game. Guess what? Now Tom Brady's on the sideline. The 10 guys that were out there still have to be out there. So now your running back's playing quarterback. Oh, Let's boy. say uh, there's a defensive pass interference call. Well, instead of 15 yards down the field, now you're down a cornerback. Uh, I think that would be an awesome addition to the NFL is That'd playing man down defense or offense. And you also can't switch positions. So, like, if the center has a holding penalty on him, your quarterback's just snapping the ball to himself because now you don't have a center. You're gonna end up having, uh, you're gonna end up having some strong safe. He just plays his own coverage on a receiver whenever that receiver comes across the middle, get lit yeah. the fuck up. Exactly. <laughs> uh, second sport I would change is golf. So with golf, what I would do is you'd have your delete it from history. No, keep going. that too. Oh my god. I'd no, 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 no. I had a second hole on the same hole. So if you're on like you know the second hole. There's one here, and then there's another one, I don't know, 15, 20 yards away. One of the holes is the actual one that you need to put it in. The other one, if you put it in there, something stupid happens. Like, there's a lobster in there that pinches you, and then you have to put on the other hole. Or maybe there's, like, a little, Rob like... Gronkowski comes and throws your, co- throws your yeah. ball. <laughs> no, he wrong spikes like, it. He spikes it. <laughs> maybe it's, like, you go over there to pick up your ball, and then Gronk runs out and tackles you, and now not only do you have to pick the ball back up after that. But you also have to go putt after Rob Gronkowski just hits you. But if you get it in the real hole, you just move on to the next hole. We're all doing so a stupid laugh. <laughs> you have to pick which hole am I going for? And if you get it wrong, something really bad happens. And it's going to be amazing. You know, Maybe you-, you put it in the wrong hole and the wrong hole has like a cannon and it just shoots your ball 300 yards in the wrong direction. There's a lot of options here. You, you know what you could also do with golf, and I don't mean to cut off Jeremy again, is like you could like take like just the obstacles and the shit that you see in a putt putt course and put them on fucking on a golf course on a golf yeah, course, yeah. and they still have like they still have to play the, the course and like, they still got the driver the drivers are four irons and and all that shit, but like you know like still put like, the obstacles in the castle out there and like you know they have to get past all this shit because I really really want to see like Roy McIlroy or, or like even Tiger Woods get on the get on the um, like the 18th hole and they have to put it into the clown's mouth and it's spit it out. You're going to die, clown! That'd be awesome. <laughs> Live <laughs> golf tour. Get take back notes. Up tackled him, so. So, oh, yeah. third sport that I would change and maybe my favorite of the three, I think all of us can agree, despite the fact that we haven't talked about it, track is basically just human NASCAR. So let's make it real life human NASCAR and add a pit row to track and field. You've got like a seven mile race. I don't know how long you run in track. You've got like a seven mile race up to a you mile, get... sometimes a marathon. It's usually like 500 meters or something. Yeah. 
All right, so you get like 100 meters in and you're forced to go to pit row. And when you're forced to go to pit row, you have a team who has to like retread your shoes and like you have to spit into a bucket and then they have to like spray water in your mouth. But if they miss, oh, it's not fueled up, so you can't go. There's just ridiculous rules that you have going down pit row here as a human NASCAR runner to where when you're on pit row, you have to do X, Y, Z before you can go back out there and keep running. If your pit row fucks it up, you just went from first to 12th. Yeah, Martin Truex now competes in track and field. Oh, oh, he has for a while, especially after last week. Oh my God, MTJ, your pit crew still blows ass. Uh, Best car by far. Yeah, yeah. Damn, I, I was so scared, Jeremy, because I thought you were going to steal uh, Robbie Sluga's suggestion for how to make all sports better. Um, which was what I was going to use. So thank you for not saying that. And thanks for the submissions. Um, so my submission is this. Anytime there is an overtime segment in any sport, it doesn't matter what it is. Um, competitive tag, that's a real thing. Um, competitive cornhole, yeah, also a real thing that people get paid hard-earned cash for. It's disgusting, but it's real. Um, NASCAR, you know, basketball, oh, baseball, turn. football. Yeah, all of it. All of it. The only way you can go to overtime and the only competitive thing is this. It's a dunk off. <laughs> it literally becomes a fucking dunk competition. All right. Like, so, like the NBA dunk contest? Yes. Yes. Yeah. You have to get people that are officiants on the sideline who are going to grade this shit. Okay. So in golf, Brooks Kapka ties Rory McElroy dunk off on hold. What 16. happens if neither of them can dunk? Cause neither of them can dunk. That's the fucking point. The nope. Yeah. They find a way you find, you find obstacles. Oh, you better go Champions find a fucking find a ladder. You better Tom go Brady find a Aaron fucking Rodgers ladder dunk competition. And well, I really off of Benner's idea. They just go into a putt off on the castle, and whoever gets no. it through the water, you're gonna die, clown. No, no, no. We're not going with <laughs> Benner's idea on this. It's all dunk offs, okay? It's all dunk competitions. And Brooks Kapka too. I mean, he doesn't practice golf. He can practice <clears throat> something, which is dunking on an, on a Fisher Price goal. Okay. I don't that's think he practices anything. I think that's his no. stigma. Is I just don't practice anything I do in life. I just do it each week. We ask our panelists to find what we call the Alex Moran Player of the Week. The criteria is simple. Don't be hammered. We're looking for the individual <laughs> who wants to live their best life, the true backup life. All the glory, none of the work. And just as a recap, J.K. Wilema mentioned the cat at Yankee Stadium last year on August 2nd, 2021, which automatically lost. So... There it is. What a loser suggestion. Doesn't he know this is a dog podcast? so bad. You have to leave early if that's going to be your suggestion. You can't even be on this segment if that's your suggestion. Like, have you never seen a fucking cat at a baseball game before? Oh, my God. Or an airport or, like, a cat cafe. Come on. Come on. Like the Boston cat? Do better. Yeah. In that airport? Yeah. In Logan, there was a cat that was running around. Uh, When Jeremy came up a couple weeks ago, like, I told him, hey, don't worry. This cat is out of the way. And he was like, who? Weight off my shoulders. I was relieved. I was so nervous. That's what I was going to land and have to deal with when I walked through Boston Logan Airport. So, Caleb McChesney, outside of fighting cats, 
who is your nomination for the Alex Moran player of the week? Well, uh, a cat based team, uh, paid this man. So speaking on the subject of pussycats, we're going to talk about Nick Foles. Shortly after being named Super Bowl MVP, quarterback Nick Foles was wooed to the Jacksonville Jaguars with a contract that supposedly could have been worth up to 102 million with incentives. His actual payout, 30 million for one season. Things didn't go quite as planned for Foles in Duval. He broke a collarbone in the season opener and was like forever replaced by Gardner Minshew. He returned to action nine weeks later, but made three starts before being benched for Minshew again. Uh, the next season, the Jags traded him to the Bears and he restructured his contract to a three-year, $24 million. But yeah, in one season for $30 million, the Jacksonville Jaguars paid Nick Foles to go 77 for 117, three touchdowns, two picks, 736 yards. So Nick Foles is one season in Jacksonville making $30 million is my nominee for uh, the Alex Moran Player of the Week. What a great uh, way to follow up a Super Bowl season. Right. Sort of. That's a true backup life. Win a Super Bowl, being a backup. And then you get get cash out. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's (laughs) wonderful that you can. Uh, Nick Foles, uh, just uh, to find out, just to give you where he's currently at. Last I checked, he was in Chicago, but I think Indianapolis traded for him. He shouldn't be in Chicago anymore because they got Dalton and Fields there. Foles wouldn't be the first. No, no, no. Andy Dalton's in New Orleans. Oh, he is, isn't he? He is with the Indianapolis Colts. He, yeah, he's with the he's with the Indianapolis Colts. He signed there. Hopefully, for less than thirty million dollars this this year. Uh, Probably a backup position, I would hope. I mean, you're paying Matt Ryan that absurd cap hit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully just five mil. Yeah, it's, uh, six point two million over two years. Oh my god, still overpaid. Oh, Four million 30s? guaranteed at signing. Holy shit! Hey, I can throw a pigskin. Uh, just any NFL scouts looking out there, I can't really do it. But you know, pay me six million dollars, I'll hold a clipboard. Can you throw it over that mountain? Uh no. But can you, Ryan Benner? Who is your Alex Moran Player of the Week? So my Alex Moran player of the week is current Houston Astros manager, uh, fucking Dusty Baker. Dusty. Uh, this man has been, he's been a, he's been a baseball manager for 25 years now. I'm just in full belief that he was actually, he's just actually not even a good manager that he just finds himself on really good fucking teams. And he just wings the shit out of it. Um, his, his first team he ever was a manager for was the San Francisco Giants from 1993 to 2002, right in the middle of those the Barry Bonds years in San Francisco. Um, and the time they in time he was there, they only finished um, they only finished near the bottom of the division twice. Other than that, they were either the number one or number two team in their division. Um, after that, he went to the Chicago Cubs from 2003 to 2006 and this was the worst like boo this is like the worst stint of his career but also still wasn't terrible because he led the chicago cubs to their to a playoff appearance during those four years they underachieved they had carrie wood uh mark crier and zambrano as their one two three and didn't win a world series that year 
I know. fucking ridiculous. And I think Dusty Baker's the like part of that reason. Like, oh, I can just ride this fucking tremendous team. And no, you couldn't, Dusty. Because then after that, he goes to the Cincinnati Reds from 2008 to 2013. This is like another like questionable little stint for him, but he he won the division tw- uh, twice um, and was also a top three team in the division twice as well. So he was always staying in the realm of one to three on his teams. Uh, after that, 2016, 2017, Washington Nationals finished number one both times. Uh, 2000, now currently with the Houston Astros, 2020 to 2022, um, has finished uh, number two once and is, in his num- and currently number one in his division now and finished first in his division last year. You know, people say, like, oh, Dusty Baker is a tremendous manager. No, I think Dusty Baker just tremendously just finds himself on good fucking teams. And he just kind of just sits back and just does the bare fucking minimum as a baseball manager and finds himself in the playoffs every, almost every single year. A solid choice. Man, I thought this week was my throwaway week. God damn it. I think I'm going to win this one again. Jeremy, please prove me wrong. You're not going to win. And my honorable mention, which isn't even my starter, is going to be better. My honorable mention this week, I heard a stat that Ryan Griffin, backup quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now, is in his 10th NFL season and has thrown a grand total in his 10-year NFL career of four regular season passes. Four. One, two, three, four. Ten-year pro making millions of dollars a year. That's my honorable mention. Now, my actual Alex Moran player of the week is much, much better. So soccer flopping is its own animal altogether. And, you know, you can say what you want about flops in the game of soccer. Everybody has their opinion. Now, I'm going to take this back to a different sport first before I come back here, though. Stosi and I are very familiar with uh, Bobby Cox, the former manager of the Atlanta Braves. Uh... What he used to do back in the day is if he had a big appointment going on, but God, this whole baseball thing got in the way, man, like. I got a quinceanera to go to, but we got to play nine whole innings. Ah, no way. He would find a way to get himself ejected. And I don't know, like the fifth inning, just so he could go to whatever, you know, thing he has going on. Now keep that in mind. As I go into my Alex Moran player of the week here, it's all there about was a South American. Balance. There was a South American soccer player this week who cares greatly about work-life balance. This gentleman's just doing his thing, playing his game, running down the field. Next thing you know, boom, A fish hits him in the face. Yes, a fish. Some jackass in the stands throws a fish, probably like a pound, not like, you know, a mackerel, not a tuna, like a one-pound little guppy. Hits him in the face. He drops down to the ground. Now, let's take it to another level. That by itself is one thing. A fish hits you in the face, you're probably startled. Maybe you cry. Maybe you pee yourself a little bit. But what you don't do is what this gentleman did. Lays down on the ground, has the athletic trainer come out, then says, I need to be stretchered off the field. They bring a stretcher out, they put him in the back of the cart, and they cart him off the field for getting hit in the face by a fish in the middle of a soccer game. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is my Alex Moran, backup player of the week, a gentleman who had to be stretchered off the field and could not finish the game because he got hit in the face by a fish. Oh my God, does this individual have a name? I couldn't find it. Still trying to figure that out. But he plays soccer in South America, and the clip is hilarious if you haven't seen it. We all have homework to do. That is wonderful. I'm so glad I 
I just lost this one, but I'm going to say it anyways. <sighs> My Alex Moran player of the week is um, a real household name. A guy named Kent Slaughter. It's being facetious. Kent Slaughter is part of a class action lawsuit against Bass Pro Shops, which oddly fits in with our last Alex Moran player of the week nomination, uh, claiming that the outdoor retailer is refusing to honor their lifetime warranty on socks. So for years, Slaughter would exchange worn out, quote unquote, redhead lifetime guarantee all purpose wool socks for a new pair of the same variety whenever they wore out bass pro shops in springfield mizzou changed their policy from a lifetime warranty to a 60-day warranty bass pro is still marketing the socks as quote unquote the last sock you'll ever need to buy because of the lifetime warranty so literally even though they're being sued by a lot of people they're still saying these socks are the biggest ones and that's why i am nominating ken slaughter as the alex moran player of the week even though i i definitely did lose the fish in the face boy um just because he was like you know what fuck these oh my guys God. Go for it. I'm literally watching it like, holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> I told you I was excited. When my honorable mentions Ryan Griffin, who's got four passes in 10 years, you know my starter's pretty good. He's not wrong. He's not wrong at all. Hit him no. in the side of the face, like this, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's maybe a one-pound fish, if that. It's not going that fast. They it didn't even he, hit him. They say that he pretended to have like a uh, traumatic brain injury. Yeah. Oh, my God, they did bring out the cart. I told you, he got stretchered off the field. (laughs) Like, this guy, it it didn't even hit him. (laughs) It grazed him. Oh, my God. This is just, no. That is flopping on another level. Okay, maybe the mackerel hit him on the cheekbone. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Oh, it was so scary. Oh. I, yeah, he's really hiding from the boogie monster there. Oh my! I'm telling you, man, oh that guy God. had like a dentist appointment at four o'clock to get to, or something. Man, that is not a normal reaction. No, no. I, shit! If I had a fish thrown at me, I'd just run away with it. But goddamn, <laughs> that guy, that guy. All right, this week's big loser is Cade Wilemon. What do you have to say to the people, Cade? Oh yeah. He's not here. Get fucked, Cade. Good speech. Good speech. Can't wait for him to take shots next week. And we thank you for joining us this for this week's rendition of Plaster Negotiations. And again, nothing we said was legally binding. Next week's episode will feature more topics, more adult beverages, and this week's loser, Jay Cade Wilemon trying to do a lot better like sticking around <laughs> like, like sticking around you know like come on we all I will also people. be trying to do better because but covid yes but at least you have an excuse I other than you did 
So. You did, and you did great. Other than getting fish thrown at you as well. So maybe we'll try and avoid doing that too. Have a great week. 21 means 21. Designate a driver. And above all else, be good people. On behalf of Jeremy Phelps, Caleb McChesney, Ryan Benner, and a well-absent J.K. Wilemon. I'm Mike Stotes. Thanks for tuning in to Plaster Negotiations. We'll see you next week. Take care. 